You're listening to Pigeon Radio Australia on 88.3 Southern FM, The Sounds of the Bayside, Melbourne, Australia. Introducing our Pigeon Radio Australia presenter and executive producer of the show, Ivan Fonti. Welcome to another edition of Pigeon Radio Australia, our Anzac Day special of Pigeon Radio Australia, as we do every year for the last eight years that we've been broadcasting Pigeon Radio Australia, we do an Anzac Day tribute every year. So on today's show, we have a great show for you today and some great guests for you to listen to here on Pigeon Radio Australia. We've got from uh, the president of the Australian War Animal Memorial Organisation, AWAMO, Nigel Alsop, who was also Anzac of the Year in 2017. It's our pleasure to have him on the program. We've also got a tribute to the uh, Australian Pigeons of War and the War Pigeons for Anzac Day. And we've got a great media check with a great story about a War Pigeon as well. So stay tuned and we've got announcements for the Royal Children's Hospital Good Friday Appeal which we uh, uh, earned over $8,000. So stay tuned and let's get on with the show. Pigeon Radio Australia today. And as every week, I'd like to welcome my good friend to Pigeon Radio Australia, who comes with me every week and keeps me company here, and that's Tony Barbara. Hello, Tony, how are you? And uh, welcome back to Pigeon Radio. Good morning, Ivan. Good morning, listeners. And good morning to everybody around the world. Anyway, I'm good. And anyway, I'm happy. <laughs> for the children. Oh, yeah. Well, well, we'll talk about that when you've just mentioned it. We uh, raised just over $8,000 for the Royal Children's Hospital Good Friday Appeal with our auction sale. Tony, I'd like to thank everybody that bought a pigeon and everybody that donated a pigeon. I think it was all right. What do you reckon? Yeah, we, anyway, we thank you all of you for the support you gave, and I hope you give it again next year. It was good. No, it was good. The bird sold, uh, Davy's pigeon sold for just over two and a half thousand and um what's the other ones oh gary gillard's pigeon was 450 or 
$200, something like that. And uh, Nick Lakiotis's birds sold for good money. Even my pigeons sold for $200 and something. dollars. People were buying them from all over Australia. So there's birds going to Brisbane, to Western Australia, in Melbourne, everywhere. To the country. Up to, yeah. There's a guy in Echuca bought a heap of pigeons too. So there you go. Was good. It was very good, so we'd like to thank everybody, and we'll do it again next year. But in another two or three weeks' time, we're going to have a sale, Tony, for that fella, and we're going to have a sale for that fella um, in Lismore at the floods. We have to help him. And at the moment, we're organising birds for that sale, and it'll be online, and I'm going to use... uh, the uh, great services and help from Gary Gillard. He's been such a great help, Gary Gillard. And we'll use the GMPF auction site again. And I've heard that there's also a few people in Queensland that are in the same situation. So what we're going to do is we're going to get a group of pigeons and put them in the auction on this online auction. And we'll find out the other names of the other people that have uh, come to hard times with these floods in Queensland as well. And we're going to divide whatever we raise between all the people that need help in the floods. These pigeon fanciers who have been uh, devastated in these floods in Queensland. So help is going to go around and it doesn't matter how much we earn because every cent is going to help these people. So it really doesn't matter. So if you've got a pigeon and you want to donate a pigeon, you can get with, in touch with either Tony or me. Um, and you can email me on info at pigeonmedia.com.au and you can also ring me on 0410838311 and you can ring Tony Barbara, I'll give you his number, you can ring Tony Barbara on 0435494133. I've already got some pigeons pledged for these people, so look, They're one of us. If we get into trouble, they may be able to help us one day. So let's help them. Let's dig deep, help them, donate a pigeon and buy a pigeon in this sale for these people in the recent Australian floods, which have devastated a lot of families in Australia. All right, we're going to take a short break and we're going to listen to some songs. And because we've got a tribute to Anzac Day, we're going to listen to some songs for Anzac Day. And uh, we'll be back after the break with our media check. And here's a great song to open our show with our Anzac tribute today because don't forget, Monday is Anzac Day and if you can't get down to the RSL for the dawn service or release pigeons at the RSL, look, let your pigeons out at sunrise on uh, Monday morning to signify the importance of pigeons and the war. And here's here's the song that I uh, uh, have chosen for our first song to open up our tribute to Anzac Day here on Pigeon Radio Australia. And it's John Schumann with a song called On Every Anzac Day here on Pigeon Radio Australia. Courage gave me courage when I was sure we were going to die. 
Australians who joined and fought and died from the mission bush and station country the towns Torres Strait we remember the fighting first Australians now and on every pigeon requirements, head to Thomastown Produce and Pet Supplies. We make our own range of pigeon carry baskets, bird breeding cages and boxes. We're one of Melbourne's largest suppliers of quality seed, feed and more. You'll find health supplements, minerals and grits for pigeons and other breeds. Visit Thomastown Produce and Pet Supplies at our retail shop in Apex Court, Thomastown or phone 9464 2439. Southern FM sponsor. Keep your pigeons healthy with Applied Nutrition Australia, number one for all-in-one bird supplements. Tummy Right for Pigeons is a nutritional supplement for racing pigeons to support proper functioning of the gastrointestinal tract. The Applied Nutrition range of products is made in Australia and sold factory direct to you. For top quality products formulated by Australia's leading animal and avicultural nutritionist, visit appliednutrition.com.au. Southern FM sponsor. Stock produce and farming supplies. Tara Meat. We get racing pigeons racing, horses racing, cattle and poultry feeding. All racing pigeon products and supplements available. We also have live poultry sales. Tara Meat stock feed and farming supplies. 1227 Holden Road, Tulin Vale. Open seven days a week. Telephone, Peter, on 0484 340. 551 Southern FM sponsor Natural Pigeon Products are the Australian distributors for Rhonefried Pigeon Products. Rhonefried, a German-based company, is a leading manufacturer of world-class, premium, European racing pigeon products that will help you maintain your racing pigeons in a health all year round. Contact Natural Pigeon Products on 035 Double nine eight one thousand and pigeonvitality.com.au Southern FM sponsor. Hi, I'm Vanessa Lowe, long jump gold medalist and world record holder. When I was 15, I was waiting to catch my train. In a split second, my life changed. As the train arrived, the crowd surged forward. I was too close to the platform edge, lost my balance, and fell into the path of the oncoming train. I was in a coma for two weeks and it took two years to walk again. So please, stand back, look up and stay rail safe. When everything keeps changing, 
It's hard to know how to feel. So if the last couple years have left you with mixed emotions, you're not alone. Search Beyond Blue Coronavirus for free tools, support, or to have a chat today. G'day, Josh Gatt, host of Bluestone Sounds, a show about live music and emerging acts. If you're a night owl like me, I'd like to very warmly invite you to come and hang out on your Friday morning, Thursday night. That's right, Bluestone Sounds Midnight Edition. Playing the risque stuff I can't play during the light of day. That's midnight till 3am on your Thursday night, Friday morning. This is DDZ, your captain speaking. Tune in every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Travel the world, musically speaking, from the Eiffel Tower to the Rialto, from the Colosseum to the Pyramids, from the London Bridge to Golden Gate. Tune in every Wednesday, 2 p.m. for International Caravan with your captain, DDZ. You're listening to Pigeon Radio Australia. Broadcast from Melbourne, Australia, on 88.3, Southern FM, The Sounds of the Bayside. Stop the pigeon, 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 how? Jab him, jab him, jab him. The Worldwide Pigeon Radio Australia Pigeon Media Weekly Check. And as every week here on Pigeon Radio Australia, I comb the internet and all the newspapers and everything else that's do with the media and uh, find stories on pigeons from everywhere in the world. So let's have a check of what we've got this week. Here's one that comes from the United States of America. And uh, it says, uh, I'm not the pigeon guy. I just happen to have a pigeon. Jeffrey Jones' best phone picture. The New York-based photographer and his wife adopted an injured bird, which gets annoyed when they leave it at home alone. (laughs) Jeffrey Jones had a parakeet as a kid, but never considered himself a bird fanatic. Yet when he and his wife settled into an apartment block in New York's East Village, the pair began noticing the local pigeons. We began to see how interesting they were, preening, doing funny little dances, he says. Around the same time, Jones began volunteering for the Wild Bird Fund, which takes in injured birds in the city. It was far removed from his usual work as a fine art and fashion photographer. When I joined, they had this resident pigeon named Gob, after the person who rescued her. She had arrived as a baby, a tiny yellow prickly thing, and had refused to leave. We did a trial fostering period with her, but when I took her back to the sanctuary, she was so angry with me, she wouldn't interact with me anymore. Then she fell sick and became depressed. My wife and I realised we'd have to adopt her permanently if she was going to survive. Now Gob lives with the couple, 
She is affectionate, loves head scratches, and will wait by the front door when she hears her owners approaching. Jones took this photo on his phone and he was leaving to run errands one morning, noticing her slightly furrowed brow, a sign of annoyance that he was going out without her. Adopting her was a personal sacrifice. I took a responsibility on because of her, life meant something to me. I'm not the pigeon guy, I just so happen to have a pigeon. So there you go, Tony, they adopted this pigeon and it's like a dog, it waits for them at the door when they go out and when they come home it's waiting at the door for them. The things that they... As parents. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I don't know, but it gets very upset when they leave. So, you know. That's right. <laughs> and here's another funny story that comes out of, uh, this is also out of the United States of America. Listen to this one, Tony. You're going to laugh when you hear this one. When a hawk flies the coop in school's assembly, students get lesson in problem solving. Listen to this. Uh Moore Square Magnet Middle School has such a soaring expectations for its students. In actual fact, they've got an audio uh, file here, so hey, let's have a listen to the story. When a hawk flies the coop in school's assembly, students get lesson in problem solving. Moore Square Magnet Middle School has such soaring expectations for its students that a wing visitor this week caught that spirit, flying to the rafters of the school gym and refusing to come down for days. School principal Leslie Taylor said it happened Monday during a falconry program for 6th graders, who have been reading the book Frightful's Mountain by Jean Craighead George. It's about a boy who has a beloved falcon, Frightful. Moore Square invited the falconer and his four birds to campus to introduce students to the majestic birds. The bird man was scheduled to do two back-to-back performances for students, who had been divided into two groups. The first show went according to plan, with all avian participants behaving as expected. But during the second show, As the falconer was doing a demonstration with Henry, a large red-tailed hawk, Taylor said, best I understand, he said, I'm going to let him fly, but he's on a leash. Then somehow the hawk got loose and flew straight up into the rafters, followed by the curious eyeballs of 100 kids. The pigeon arrives. With the program over, the students were sent back to class, and the falconer was left alone in the gym to corral the bird. Sometime in the afternoon, he left to procure a pigeon as bait. The pigeon, too, was on a leash, Taylor said, but then it also somehow flew the coop, joining the Houdini hawk among the rafters and the retracted basketball hoops. They were pretty chill, Taylor said. They just camped out on their respective beams. At the end of the school day, the falconer went home and admins locked the birds in their giant cage, making sure to put a note on the door for the night custodial crew, don't go into the gym. The falconer came back Tuesday but left after the last bell without the birds. Wednesday was the same. No. A student can't climb up to get it. Students, teachers and staff at the gifted and talented magnet school began offering suggestions. Can we shoot it with a water gun and get it to come down? Can we open the door and just let it fly out? Can we get one of the kids to shimmy up the pole on the basketball goal and get it? No, Taylor said. No, and no. Then we'd have a hawk, a pigeon and a kid stuck up there too. But Thursday, around lunchtime, maybe the smells from the cafeteria whetted the hawk's appetite the falconer was able to lure Henry from the heights. The main thing was that he got hungry and finally recognized that the gentleman had his dinner, Taylor said. Taylor wasn't sure how, exactly, but the pigeon also was evacuated from the gym. 
more middle magnet school often invite speakers to give presentations, Taylor said, because they add background and texture to what students read and hear about. Also this week, she said, a botanist came to visit. And at the end of her demonstration, Taylor said, she left with all of her plants. This story was originally published April 8, 2022, 5.45 p.m. There you go, Tony. You see what happened to the falcon? They took it to the school to let it go. And uh, he, they, he was doing a demonstration at the school, actually, showing the kids this falcon. All right, The falcon got off its, its lead and went up, and it was sitting there for days. It wouldn't come down. They even tried to put a pigeon there, and the, the falcon didn't even take any notice of the pigeon. Anyway, that pigeon was lucky. Well, the pigeon um, got away anyway. Yeah, it wasn't eaten by him. <laughs> but what a stupid man doing that, eh? And, and, he, and he's supposed to be an expert in falcons, that fella. <laughs> Here uh, comes a, a story uh, of uh, pigeon history, uh, Tony. This is uh, about a pigeon during the war, and, it's, and it reads like this. It says, How Gustav the pigeon broke the first news of the D-Day landings. A heroic grizzle pigeon flew from an Allied warship to deliver the first report on Normanby landings in 1944. On June 6, 1944, the first report of the D-Day landings arrived at Thomas Island's Royal Air Force Base near Portsmouth, England. The winged messenger who relayed the news at 1.46pm was a grizzle cock pigeon named Gustav. A message penned by Reuters correspondent Montague Taylor was attached to the pigeon's leg, containing the first news of the Allied troop landings on the beachheads. We are just 20 miles or so off the beaches. First assault troops landed, 0750. Signal says no interference from enemy gunfire on the beach. Passage uneventful, steaming steadily on. Formations lightnings, typhoons, fortresses crossing since 0545. No enemy aircraft seen. That was the message on the pigeon's leg. Although the loyal RAF homing pigeon was known as a reliable flyer, this fateful journey had been difficult for him. Gustav flew for 5 hours and 16 minutes across a dense distance of 150 miles to deliver the news amid darkened skies and a headwind of about 50 miles an hour, according to the Imperial War Museum. Aside from difficult weather conditions, the perils of war, including hawks trained by the Nazis to kill Allied carrier pigeons, were omnipresent dangers. Raised in Casham, Hampshire, Gustav was one of six pigeons given to Taylor to assist with his war reporting. Trained courier pigeons were typically transported to battlefronts in wicker baskets and released to convey critical messages when the situation demanded. Taylor is said to have first received Gustav in a basket along with four other birds as he prepared to provide coverage of the Allied landings in Normandy. The invasion army have thought of everything, including carrier pigeons to carry the big news home if all else fails, reported Taylor. 
According to the author Bernard O'Connor in Bletchley Park and the Pigeon Spies, a wing commander arrived here only a few hours before I arrived on my tank-carrying landing ship and present with me a basket of four pigeons, complete with food and message-carrying equipment. After taking off from a warship at the Normanby coast and fluttering for hours through the war-torn skies, the pigeon safely reached his RAF loft at Thornley Island. Yet like other military service members in wartime, Gustav did not return to the scenes of peace and tranquility when he arrived back on the base. Thorny Island was then a base for squatters, squadrons of Hawker Typhoon fighter bomber aircraft, asked with knocking out German radar on the coast of France. And once the D-Day landings commenced, with launching ground attacks on German forces. Although he had left the dangers of Normandy behind, the pigeon had flown back into a hotbed of wartime activity. Gustav Courage did not go unrecognised. On September 1st, 1944, he received the PDSA Dickon Medal for gallantry. The award created in Great Britain in 1943 has become known as the equivalent of the Victoria Cross for Animals. His citation for the medal credits him for delivering the first message from the Normanby beaches from a ship off the beachhead while serving with the RAF on June 6, 1944. At Gustav's award ceremony, he received a kiss along with his ribbon with the moment captured on a newsreel. Mrs. Alexander, wife of the First Lord of the Admiralty, hears from Wing Commander Rayner the exploits of Gustav and Paddy, two D-Day carrier pigeons, decorated with the Dick Medal for Gallantry, awarded by the People's Dispensary for Sick Animals. Now, the first is Gustav. Uh, he was the first pigeon to bring any information from the, uh, uh, as to the progress of the landing. His time was five hours, 16 minutes on a baddish day. The weather was um, British. <laughs> now that is Gustav. Now the second one to be decorated. <laughs> is Paddy. Um, uh, Paddy made the fastest time of all the birds engaged on, uh, in this operation. He came from Normandy, uh, well to the south, in four hours, 50 minutes. It was not on the same day as Gustav, so you mustn't compare the two times. But it was the fastest time of all the hundreds of birds engaged in the operation. Uh, by the way, Paddy, uh, an Irish pigeon, was trained in England by a Scotsman with a Welsh assistant. <laughs> and, and, and he carried his Normandy message for the Americans. <laughs> well, well, what do you know? 
And that was a short uh, video on uh, the uh, presentation to Gustav. Gustav became one of 32 courier pigeons to receive the Deacon Medal. A fellow winged recipient was one was the Duke of Normandy, who also became famous for his role in delivering a critical message on D-Day. The training, care and feeding of pigeons became a very serious business during World War II, as many homing pigeon enthusiasts stepped up to contribute trained birds to the war effort. So what do you think of that story, Tony? Good story. Not a bad story, eh? And did you see how the birds <laughs> got, got yeah. their medals? Yeah. And here's another very nice story that comes out of uh, Bosnia and Herzegovina, and it's 500 pigeons of peace released in front of Sarajevo City Hall. April 6th is the most significant date in the history of Sarajevo. It is the day when Sarajevo was liberated from fascist occupation in the Second World War, but also the day that symbolises the beginning of the siege of Sarajevo in the last war in Bosnia and Herzegovina. On the occasion of the anniversary of the beginning of the siege of Sarajevo, a total of 500 pigeons were released into the sky Wednesday in front of the town hall in Sarajevo to mark April the 6th and the start of the Bosnian war, recent war. So that's very nice, isn't it? And there they go, releasing 500 pigeons at the town hall in Sarajevo. A symbol of peace. And I tell you what, Tony, they need a symbol of peace in uh, in Europe at the moment because it's uh, absolutely crazy with Putin, what he's doing with that terrible war and in the Ukraine. So, uh, yeah, that was a very good thing that they did in Bosnia and Herzegovina with the pigeons. And that's our media check for this week, and we're going to have a break right now, and we'll be back after this.
classic song here on Pigeon Radio Australia by uh, Cole Chisel and Jimmy Barnes and it's uh, in honour of the Vietnam vets and that's K-San, a classic song here on Pigeon Radio Australia. Natural Pigeon Products are the Australian distributors for Roanfried Pigeon Products. Roanfried, a German-based company, is a leading manufacturer of world-class, premium, European racing pigeon products that will help you maintain your racing pigeons' inner health all year round. Contact Natural Pigeon Products on 035-998-1000 and pigeonvitality.com.au Southern FM Sponsor Your one-stop produce and farming supplies. Tara Meat. We get racing pigeons racing, horses racing, cattle and poultry feeding. All racing pigeon products and supplements available. We also have live poultry sales. Taramude stock feed and farming supplies. 1227 Holden Road, Tulin Vale. Open seven days a week. Telephone, Peter, on 0484-340-551. Southern FM sponsor. Keep your pigeons healthy with Applied Nutrition Australia. Number one for all-in-one bird supplements. Tummy Right for Pigeons is a nutritional supplement for racing pigeons to support proper functioning of the gastrointestinal tract. The Applied Nutrition range of products is made in Australia and sold factory direct to you. For top quality products formulated by Australia's leading animal and avicultural nutritionist, visit appliednutrition.com.au. Southern FM sponsor. For all your pigeon requirements, head to Thomastown Produce and Pet Supplies. We make our own range of pigeon carry baskets, bird breeding cages and boxes. 
we're one of Melbourne's largest suppliers of quality seed, feed and more. You'll find health supplements, minerals and grits for pigeons and other breeds. Visit Thomastown Produce and Pet Supplies at our retail shop in Apex Court, Thomastown or phone 9464 2439. Southern FM sponsor. What you hear on community radio is governed by the community broadcasting codes of practice. The codes of practice cover matters relating to program content that are of concern to the community, including local content, news, current affairs, Australian music content, programs for children and the responsibilities associated with broadcasting to the community. They also cover aspects such as community access and participation in the operation of this service. Copies of the codes are available from the Community Broadcasting Association website www.cbaa.org.au Every year, over 4 million people get really crook in the guts because their food hasn't been prepared properly or cooked properly. You can lower your chances of food poisoning by always washing your hands before touching food. Also, keep your fridge rigid dig by running it at 5 degrees Celsius or below. And always cook your chook and heat your meat. Go to the shop and get one of those meat thermometers, you know, that measure the temperature. Then only say yes please at 75 degrees. For even more tips, head to foodsafety.asn.au. Hi there, it's me, Graham the Garden Gnome. If you want to know everything about where I live in your garden, listen in to Molly's Blooming Hour every Saturday at 4pm, only here on 88.3 Southern FM. <laughs> this is DDZ, your captain speaking. Tune in every Wednesday at 2pm. Travel the world, musically speaking, from the Eiffel Tower to the Rialto, from the Colosseum to the Pyramids, from the London Bridge to Golden Gate. Tune in every Wednesday, 2pm, for International Caravan with your captain, DDZ. You're listening to Pigeon Radio Australia on 88.3 Southern FM. The sounds of the Bayside, all the way down under in Melbourne, Australia. The only devoted racing pigeon radio show in the world. So stop the pigeon, 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 how? Jab him, jab him, jab him, grab him, stop that pigeon. You're tuned to 88.3 Southern FM, the sounds of the Bayside, and you're listening to the only devoted racing pigeon sporting radio show in the entire world, and that's Pigeon Radio Australia. Our website address at Pigeon Radio Australia is pigeonmedia.com.au, and go and check out the Southern FM website, which is southernfm.com.au. There's a lot of good podcasts there that Southern FM supply and talking about podcasts pigeon radio australia also podcasts all its shows and you can get this program podcast straight after the show at 12 p.m here 
on the internet and all you got to do is go to the Mr. and Mrs. Google machine and search Pigeon Radio Australia and we podcast by the Podbean Network and you'll find our podcasts there via the Podbean Network. But we are available on every podcast platform available on the internet. So go and check it out, Pigeon Radio Australia podcasts. We've had heaps of listeners listen to our podcast. We've got over 9,000 downloads now since November in 2020, than when we started on the Podbean Network. So go and check it out. Also on Facebook, go and check out our group, which has nearly 90,000 members. I don't know if it's clicked over 90,000 already, and that's the Racing Pigeon Global. We also have a group called the Racing Pigeon Australia, Pigeon Radio Australia, and our Facebook page, which has a lot of followers and a lot of likes, is the Pigeon Media, Pigeon Radio Australia Facebook page. And right now on Pigeon Radio Australia, I have a very special guest on the line, in line with Anzac Day, which is on Monday, the next Monday. So uh, I've got a very important guest on the line who knows a lot about war animals, and uh, he was Anzac of the Year in 2017, and I'm talking none other than Nigel Alsop. Welcome to Pigeon Radio Australia, Nigel, and uh, how are you today? Yeah, thank you very much, Um, uh, and thank you for... Having us on board. No worries. It's a it's a pleasure and it's an honour to have you here. Um, now you've written a lot of books. Firstly, that I'd like to mention on war animals. You want to just tell us a little bit about some of the books you've written on war animals? Because I know you're an expert on dogs and horses, primarily <laughs> yeah, on dogs. Look, I, I, I sort of have written about fourteen books. About three of them are for kids' books as well, just to try and um, you know keep the Anzac. Um, memory of life with uh, the next generation in particular to war animals because I found that was a subject that was missing out of school so the, the books were really written um, at a time when we didn't know even even the Anzac spirit was being um, lost a bit with the two-legged diggers let alone the four-legged diggers so um, yeah I've got a, a few out there and I'm just actually uh, about to launch um another book uh, in September uh, about war animals, uh, the second version, and you'll be happy to know it's it's got um, about 30-odd oh, pages in one of the chapters just solely devoted to the uh, to pigeons anyway um, and how they're still being used, you know, as, as we speak in France today um, and and uh, the history about them. So yeah, every, every time I, I write a book, I always include the pigeons because I think they're a bit like a mule, the other animal, uh, that interests me is that both of them are the forgotten heroes of, of the war. They probably did more than any other animal. And in regards to pigeons, apart from equine horses, pigeons were the most numerous. Um, you know, dogs that we all think about because of recent wars were the least known and the least used um, throughout World War One, Two, Vietnam, Malaya, Korea, etc., right up to present day. Um. Now, you're primarily an expert on dogs. You just want to tell us about your little bit about your history. I've read about your history online, about uh, you training dogs for the police force and also for the armed forces. Just want to tell us a little bit of history about that and how you were involved in that? Oh, yeah, sure. Look, look, I never use a word expert. My dad used to tell me X is an unknown, unknown quantity and spurts a drip under pressure. So what I like to think is I've picked up a, a few tips, uh, um, you know, over the years. I've, I've been a military dog handler uh, and and I've sort of seen overseas uh, 
service as a veteran. I've been a military dog handler um, for about 20 years in both uh, the New Zealand and the Australian Defence Force, and I was but I was trained by the British Army um, as a dog handler. I then um, joined uh, the Queensland Police, where I spent um, 15 years in the Queensland Police um, as a, uh, a dog handler, explosive detection dog handler. And, um, of course, in regard to horses, um, I'm, I'm sort of qualified uh, mounted policeman as well and done lots of um, training in the US in particular um, with uh, search and rescue and mounted horses. So I guess um, they're my two main animals, but I, I, I got involved with birds as a zookeeper between my military and um my police service, I have been a zookeeper and wildlife ranger for about nine years, and including, um, you know, rehabilitating raptors, birds of prey, and, and um, another sort of um, native uh, bird. So, yeah, I've, I've sort of um, sort of picked up a little bit about animals uh, as the years go by. Oh, that's great. Now, you're also the founder and president of the Australian War Animal Memorial Organisation, which is the AWAMO. When actually was that founded, and uh, uh, what gave you the idea to, to do that? Well, look, um, it actually uh, resulted from um, a time when I was um, serving overseas in, um, in Mogadishu and Somalia. Um, I wasn't a dog handler at the time, but I, 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 I was with um, dog handlers and... Um, uh, they basically, there was no guarantee that those dogs could ever return um, to Australia. And in fact, we were lucky that they ended up being returned. They were the first dogs to ever be returned to Australia, period. As you may know, the 11 dogs that we sent to Vietnam and did amazing service in Vietnam saved what they estimate as tens of thousands of lives. They're all left in situ um, thanks to bad laws in Australia in relation to quarantine and um, not bringing them home. And so this was the, we sort of, what's, what uh, they, what sort of started the movement is because initially they weren't going to bring these animals home and we, we basically jumped up and down, made lots of noises, lots of people, not just me, but hundreds of people. And um, um, so we started uh, from that day on, obviously all animals are returned home under quarantine, but not so prior Prior to that, in fact, Australia's got a, a terrible record for leaving our animals on our enemy shores, including, you know, all the 136,000 horses that we took to World War One. Only one basically came back, so... Yeah, quarantine laws have got much to be desired for in in in, uh, in the animals, and I know I've got interviews there that uh, archival interviews uh, from Bert Cornish, who was the um, who was in charge of the uh, Pigeon Corps, the Australian Pigeon Corps, yeah. and even he says that it was a, a great unfortunate tragedy that they couldn't bring these birds back to the to the mainland. Yeah, yeah, and um, it certainly wouldn't happen if a human, and I think. Um, those days have passed where I think it, I think part of it in the old days where animals were used as a business too, like, you know, you'd have a horse to, to tow, tow your milk cart. Animals were looked on differently in those days. And now that type of attitude doesn't wash with the current generations and um, it would be an uproar if they tried to keep animals um, on the enemy shores nowadays, I think. Yes. Now, the Australian War Animal Memorial Organisation, is there going to be like a headquarters like the Australian War Memorial for, for, for people 
Is there going to be some sort of animal war memorial in the, in the future? Look, um, obviously we've got, um, we would like that, a, a building with um, obviously, um, you know, fibreglass animals or, or whatever and information. It's something that is a long-term plan um, uh, with a couple of the councils trying to get us some buildings. That's the hard thing. But at the moment, we have at the Redlands Cleveland Museum in, in Queensland, um, they, they call it, they've got a whole wing dedicated um, to a whammo and we keep all our a lot of our historical things including World War One pigeon um, baskets, World War Two sort of parachute uh, for pigeons and we keep all that type of stuff at um, the Redlands um, uh, RSL in, in Cleveland and then in Caboolture also in Queensland where Australia's very first war Pigeon Plaque was opened uh, by a Wemo or a good seven or eight years ago now. They have a small museum as well. But um, no, um, unfortunately we don't have the funds to, to have a building and have a museum, but we do have memorials, as you know, all around the world now, not just in Australia. Yeah, that's that's correct. Now, um, let's get on to the pigeons. Can you tell us a little bit about what you know of the two pigeons that were awarded the Dickon Medal in Australia? Yeah, look, um, obviously, um, Australian Army Signal Corps medals, unlike a lot of Dickens Medal uh, winners, um, you know, particularly in the UK, sort of uh, like the famous Mary Exeter um, and, and stuff like that, they had names. Our pigeons, unfortunately, they, we didn't seem to name ours. I mean, they're not very flattering names. I, I think I recall the numbers are DD43T and 139 and then DT. 43Q878, I think the, the two numbers, obviously, their identification rings. But, look, um, just a little bit about them. Uh, one of the one of the pigeons was awarded the Dickens Medal, um, you know, for delivering urgent messages in the, through tropical storms predominantly. Um, um, he or she saved a boat's crew, and I'm afraid I don't know what sex uh, it was, given uh, the DT. Some of the listeners uh, may know if that stands for male or female. Um a boat's crew um, with, it had valuable cargo and ammunition on it uh, in the southwest Pacific. And um, the, the boat's radio didn't work, and, and quite often pigeons were used in lieu of radios, both, as you know, in aircraft and, um, and in, in boats. Um, they were taking on water and losing cargo, um, so to save the lives of this pigeon, amazingly, um, you know, for, it took uh, 50 minutes, that's all, to, to fly the 64 kilometres back to the headquarters um, and therefore a, a boat was able to be dispatched and save the crew all up. Um, that particular pigeon, pigeon, that was one of about 21 missions and it's well recorded as having flown over 1,000 uh, miles or, you know, what's that, about 1,700 kilometres um, and, and, and rightfully owned, uh, deserved a difference medal. The second one, I, I think it was referred to as 879 um, or Blue Cock, so obviously a male, I guess. Sorry, Nigel, I'll have to break you right there because we've got a break for the Southern FM National Radio News and we'll be back to talk with you more about animals in war after the Southern FM National Radio News. You're listening to Pigeon Radio Australia on 88.3 Southern FM, the sounds of the Bayside, Melbourne, Australia. 
the pigeon. Stop 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 the pigeon. How? Jab him, jab him, jab him, grab him. Stop that pigeon now. You're tuned to 88.3 Southern FM, the sounds of the Bayside, and you're listening to the only devoted Racing Pigeon radio show in the world, and that's Pigeon Radio Australia. Our website address at Pigeon Radio Australia is pigeonmedia.com.au, and the Southern FM website, go and check it out. It's got got a lot of good podcasts there on the Southern FM website, is southernfm.com. Dot au. And before the news, we were talking to Nigel Alsop, who is the founder of the uh, Animal War Memorial uh, Society. And uh, we're going to continue on with our interview with Nigel, which is very interesting. So let's have a listen. And uh, back to you, Nigel. The second one, I, I think it was referred to as 87 nine um or blue cock so obviously a male i guess um again um it was on loan australian pigeon but it was on loan to the united states marine corps um they were in, in essence they were pinned down radios uh, didn't work that well as you know in, in kokoda and the jungle areas plus it was thought at one stage that the japanese had a, a radio um sort of transition uh, signals um and so the safest and the most secret way was still, you know, with a pigeon. So these pigeon, this pigeon was let off, and uh, again, what it did was manage to fly uh, back um, about 40 miles, 64 k's, um, managing to escape um, people shooting at it. And, and obviously the, even getting up through the dung, uh, dense jungle must have been an effort to then fly over that canopy as well. It's astonishing and um you know, it managed to get back in a, in, a, in a record time of 30 minutes, half an hour, and they were able to send um, a rescue party um, to the U.S. Marines. So, yeah, just amazing sort of um, sort of efforts, yeah. Uh, yeah, and do you think that uh, being awarded the Dickon Medal, these birds actually did uh, play an important role in the defence of Australia? Well, absolutely, uh, you know, um, you know, I think you know it's hard to say directly or indirectly, but you know, I mean, even even the fact that the one pigeon saved, you know, the lives of a ship that was going to sink it had twenty one crewmen on board. I mean, um, if that's the only thing it ever achieved in this life, it was well worth it, wasn't it? I mean, they could have been your grandfather or my grandfather, you know, on board that ship. Um, I, I think they deserve a lot more acclaim than people give them, you know. Unfortunately, you know, people sadly still think of them as a, as a bit of a pest sometimes, you know, someone that flies over and poops on your shoulder, but they, they are an amazing unknown hero. Uh, like I, I compare them very much with the mule, as I said before, you know, that carried the armed forces on its back, literally. Um, you know, we've got to remember in World War One as well, I mean, at its infancy, um, you know, you... Even when radios did work, and most of the time they didn't because of bombardment, the ones that were connected by wires, quite often the wires got broken with bombardment. Um, The only other choice was either a dog, a messenger dog, uh, which quite easily got distracted compared to a pigeon. Evidently the pigeon success rate was about 
90% and the dog was about 60% and it might just stray off. Um, and, you know, the human beings, of course, also had runners, but obviously it was dangerous for a, a human runner, so therefore that's why they put it in the hands of a, of a pigeon and sometimes they would do both just to make sure the message got through. But, you know, we forget, it because we look at our modern mobile phones, how do you get a map uh, you know, from the front line to the general at the back to make a decision. Um, you can't um, in those days because we didn't have Google or modern telephones. You had to literally draw it on a silk a map and mark a map and, and shrink it down to put into a tube to get a pigeon to fly. It was the only way you could actually get a three-dimensional look of a, of a battleground was via a pigeon taking it back. Mm. Now, as I know, uh, there's still a pigeon core in, in uh, Switzerland, I think it is, and also in recent news from China, China has purchased 2,000 birds from Belgium and they're uh, establishing a pigeon core as well. Do you think there's a future in, in any future wars, which I hope we don't have, but it doesn't look good, but do you think that pigeons would be used again? Yeah, I think so. It's actually the French that have got um, a pigeon unit. Um, I actually was privileged enough to actually have that same unit when we opened up the War Animal Memorial in Pozieres um, in, in 2017. Uh, they actually came and released um, their pigeons, um, and um, they they actually have them um, for the, the sole purpose of nuclear, bo- uh, nuclear warfare. They suggest that if um, a nuclear weapon is 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 let off uh, in the atmosphere, it will neutralise all the computers, mobile phones, everything. And the only way to get a message across will be by the old-fashioned method of a pigeon. And that's why they maintain them in case of um, nuclear war. Now, I would imagine <coughs> the Chinese um, would be using it for the same um, sort of reasons, just in case, yeah. Yeah, well, uh, in China, um, in recent years, pigeon racing has exploded as a, as a major sport in China and, an, and it's a major gambling sport as well. And, uh, yeah, now they've got this pigeon court that they've uh, their military has established. And uh, I honestly think that pigeons will be used again because, as we know, mobile phones fail in the most, you know unbelievable situations your mobile phone will just drop out so yeah. i think it, it would be worse in an army situation absolutely and like i say it's mainly the nuclear threat in the atmosphere that neutralizes all you know gadgets really um and that's what they're, they're there for i mean look animals it wouldn't surprise me animals are starting to come back um in, in niches, not in numbers, but for example, two things that have recently came out in the last couple of years was now with the invention of drones and drones flying everywhere. Uh, again, the French army um, have gone uh, back and now they training raptors, big birds of prey, to actually attack drones and uh, bring them down. Uh, whereas other countries use try and use electronic devices to and and little x-rays and, and lasers to bring them down. And the French have gone back to the old-fashioned big big eagle, flies up, grabs it, and, and knocks it down to the ground. And interestingly, I was just speaking to a friend of mine in Europe the other day, and um, the, the uh, of, of all things, um, to come back online in warfare is the reindeer, uh, the 
of the, I think it's the 18th Brigade, Mechanized Brigade in Russia, have now established a logistics unit which is full of 240 reindeer uh, as pack animals and, and because the Russians have realised that now the with the uh, Arctic slightly melting, more and more resources, minerals and oil are coming available in the Arctic regions and they're boosting up the Arctic forces to perhaps a future uh, sort of gamble of of, uh, of war up in the Arctic Circle in the, in the future. And again, um, pigeons could very well be used in, in an area like that. Uh, and the reason I say that is don't forget, um, as far as hardiness and, uh, of a pigeon is concerned, and I know our, our Australian pigeons suffered from heat, but strangely enough, the cold doesn't seem, from what I've read and talked to others about, doesn't affect them so much. For example, um, in World War Two, as you know, the the uh, the Air Force used to use pigeons in lieu of radios, and um, a lot of the, the Bristol bombers that they were used in were sometimes up to 35,000 feet or 10,000 metres above sea level flying. Not only did the pigeons not need oxygen, unlike the air crews, but it was sometimes 7 degrees Celsius below zero. Um, um, and these pigeons survived and pluffed up their plumes and then were able to do their job when and called on. So, yeah, that, that's another area, the Arctic, which could very well see pigeons being used as a form of communications if other stuff was frozen. Mm, so, no doubtedly, maybe all these pigeon fanciers that are racing pigeons at the moment, they might be called up again one day. Well, you never know. It'd be a shame, wouldn't it, to... It's not so much the birds itself, of course, it's the skill that the people have um, that... We're losing generations, and um, you, you know, if, if, if that's why I particularly encourage young people to take up the sport um, uh, because you just never know. And you know, if you don't, in a hundred years, no one will, will know how to anything about homing pigeons and won't be able to use them. You know, uh, you, you lose that sort of sort of a, a generational expertise, you know. Yeah. Now, every year, I myself, because I follow this and, and, and do a lot of stuff about this on the radio, um, I buy my uh, purple poppy. You yep. just want to tell us about the purple poppy and, and, and because not a lot of people are aware of it. When I show them, I've got key rings with purple poppies and all kinds of things that I've bought in, in past years. Do you just want to explain... Uh, where the money goes to when you do purchase a purple poppy, and uh, what is the significance of a purple poppy? Yeah, well, first, uh, first of all, the, the significance of the purple poppy, and again, it started in 2009 when, when I spoke to the Australian RSL, the New Zealand um, RSA, and the British Legion to seek permission from their headquarters to use a purple poppy uh, because I didn't want to offend them because, as we know, the red poppy is used for two-legged war heroes. Um, the British were a bit, not, don't, not really, but uh, fortunately the Australian and the New Zealand uh, RSA and RSL respectively um, gave us their, their backing. And so we developed a, uh, a purple poppy, which is the equivalent to the red poppy, but just for animals. The one thing I will like to emphasise, though, is um, we sell a jewel poppy at AWAMO, which is red and obviously purple and we encourage people to always buy a red poppy first um, and uh, if they've got a choice because that represents our soldiers 
um, and buy a purple poppy second to represent um, our animals because we don't want to be seen to taking anything away from the human soldiers um, at all. Um, but where the money goes, it depends where you buy it from, obviously. Um, AWAMO relies on a company called The Military Shop, um, one of two companies, The Military Shop in Canberra, and they sell a range of purple poppy produce, and everything they sell, uh, they give us a small percentage um, at the end of each year. Uh, another a company... Uh, uh, operated by a called James Ray, is uh, very similar called the Purple Poppies, um, and they likewise give a percentage of everything um, they sell. Uh, AWAMO itself as an organisation, we only sell the jewel poppy um, ourselves, and mainly we sell that through RSLs. But the money we, we raise goes 100% of it. We're a non-for-profit charity. We don't pay anything. We don't pay you know, me or secretaries or, or whatever, there's no wages or anything. And 100% of our profits uh, go back into making literally about three different areas. We build the memorials. Obviously, they don't get built by themselves. The one in Posiers, for example, cost nearly $200,000 and not one single cent was given by the Australian government, mm. even though miraculously when we opened it, was every politician and, and general there <laughs> from you know where yeah. uh, coming to sort of shake hands in front of the cameras? Um, but um, all the other, so all that we made, for example, a little outside the pigeons, but we made the first Indigenous Light Horse Memorial in Australia, and and uh, again with no government support. But um, and um, so all those type of things um, have to be paid, as you, as Greg will have told you. Um, you know, we paid for the the War Pigeon bronze plaque that's uh, plainly, happily displayed at the Australian War Museum in Canberra. Um, and so, yeah, we, we put our money back into memorials. The second thing we do is we run, um, with our money, a veterans fund for veteran dogs. Um, I mentioned before, military dogs do come back from overseas, but when they come back and discharge, the government, the, the DVA and the Defence Department don't pay any of their veterinary bills once they retire. It's up to the owner or handler. Yeah. And some of it's very expensive. Um, so um, unlike the human counterparts, they can't get like a veteran's card. So that's where a whammo comes in and we have a canine veteran's card and we pay when we can, only a maximum of $500 at a time, otherwise we'd go out of business fairly quickly. Um, we'd, um, we pay, you know, for things like dental work and registration fees if the diggers can't afford them and things like that. Um, mm. Oh, that's and, fantastic. But, yeah, all the, all the money goes directly back to the animals 100%. Unfortunately, there are other places that, that like everything else, they, they rip us off by, you know, importing their own sort of, um, you know, purple poppies from from China and other cases, places and and we don't get any of that money. Um, so, you know, the two places I mentioned plus AWAMO are really the only places that that um, ensure that we get some of that money back. Now, fortunately, a lot of it's a difficult because a lot of RSLs also purchase their purple popping merchandise, which we thank them wholeheartedly for, from um, the purple poppy shop in... in uh, or the um, in in Canberra, as I said. So yeah, we do get indirect help um, 
from a lot of RSLs. But I would encourage anyone listening from an RSL, there's 1,500 RSLs in Australia and only about 45 of them so far have bothered to get from us a, a, a bronze plaque honouring the animals, war animals. Mm. Um, and mm. we make a special one for RSLs. And um, mm. for the for the very poor RSLs, we give them to them for nothing. Um, the ones that have got all the hundreds of, um, you know, gambling machines, well, we make them pay for theirs, <laughs> uh, which is only fair, yeah. um, I think. And um, so we help out where we can, you know. Um, there's a lot of RSLs like might have six members, like Roma, for example, has six members. Well, we give them one for free. Whereas you get another big one in a big city, well, they can probably purchase, help us purchase it. But they're, they're great plaques, and um, we also give the same ones for free to schools in, uh, in uh, throughout Australia that, that apply through AWAMO, um, and they have a pigeon on the memorial as well. Oh, that's fantastic. Now, is there any uh, future major projects that AWAMO will be undertaking in the future? Yeah, look, like I said, we're pretty much around the world. As you know, we just opened up, even with COVID, I couldn't go, but we've just opened in the last few months the war animal, the official war animal memorial in Belgium for NATO, for all the NATO animals, um, you know, um, uh, that have served since post-World War Two. The current day, um, the uh, the next thing memorial we're doing actually next week, believe it or not, is again sadly we can't get there, but we've just supplied a memorial to all the mules, um, the five thousand mules that worked for the Chindits, um, the British Chindits in Burma in World War Two, and uh, the the Chindits Association in England has has a memorial. They've asked for a plaque honouring. Uh, the animals. It's been what eighty eighty odd years uh, since the end of that war, mm. and and yet they have human memorials for them, but they don't have anything to honour the animals. And as the association said, they were their main. You know, they had two or three thousand operating in the field at any one time, and without them, the chindits operations wouldn't uh, have worked. So, so we owe the mule a lot uh, there. And interestingly enough, the British used some pigeons um, at, during the Burma campaign as well. Mm, yeah, they did too. Um, now, Anzac Day is on Monday and uh, our program today is uh, in honour of Anzac Day, in honour of all the animals that served uh, in in the World Wars. Um, what's your message for Anzac Day to everybody? Yeah, well, look, it's a very simple message, you know. Uh, please uh, remember on Anzac Day to, to honour our two-legged heroes, our soldiers, Um that have um, made this nation what it is. But please give a passing thought to all the animals um, this Anzac Day that also served beside them. They were not only essential for logistics um, and uh, carrying our wounded and carrying our soldiers, but particularly World War One, as they say, couldn't have been fought without them, and to some extent World War Two. But the other thing people forget is they also go, you know, reminded people of home um, that in, in the middle of a war, sometimes giving a cuddle or a kiss to a horse, a mule or a pigeon was the nearest thing you could uh, have in five years of love. Um, unlike today's armed forces where um, the, you know, a, a lot of females that are serving, you know, in World War One and Two, there weren't many apart from mm. uh, nurses in particular. And the only way a man could show affection was to perhaps give his horse a bit of a cuddle and they and they reminded them of 
and I brought them back to reality in the middle of bloodshed and um, they reminded people of home and, and better times and gave people, as soldiers, some humanity in, in those horrible conditions of the trenches. Nigel Alsop, it was a, a pleasure talking to you and you're always welcome to come back on Pigeon Radio Australia anytime you've got something to tell us about war animals and uh, it was a pleasure today to speak to you and thank you very much for your time. Oh, my pleasure, thank you. Thank you very much, bye-bye. And we're going to take a short break right now and listen to some music and here's a song by John Williamson on our Anzac Day tribute show and it's a song by John Williamson called Diggers of the Anzac here on Pigeon Radio Australia. Things will never be the same in Port Lincoln Since they rolled the cameras there Roll up and be a movie extra Take it lightly if you dare And give the man a uniform Give the man a gun He's your younger brother And he's your only son This is Gallipoli They could have been your mates They could have been me You can't blame a bloke who likes adventure He saw the posters on the wall See the world through the sights of a rifle Grab your mates and go to war And give the man a bayonet Give the man a hat Land him on the beaches Same in Port Lincoln Since they made a movie there Knock off the shearing And knock off the fishing Bring up the clippers And knock off the hair And give the man a uniform Give the man a gun He's your younger brother And he's your only son This is Gallipoli And don't you forget
all your pigeon requirements, head to Thomastown Produce and Pet Supplies. We make our own range of pigeon carry baskets, bird breeding cages and boxes. We're one of Melbourne's largest suppliers of quality seed, feed and more. You'll find health supplements, minerals and grits for pigeons and other breeds. Visit Thomastown Produce and Pet Supplies at our retail shop in Apex Court, Thomastown or phone 9464 2439. Southern FM sponsor. Keep your pigeons healthy with Applied Nutrition Australia, number one for all-in-one bird supplements. Tummy Right for Pigeons is a nutritional supplement for racing pigeons to support proper functioning of the gastrointestinal tract. The Applied Nutrition range of products is made in Australia and sold factory direct to you. For top quality products formulated by Australia's leading animal and avicultural nutritionist, visit appliednutrition.com.au. Southern FM sponsor. Stock produce and farming supplies. Tara Meat. We get racing pigeons racing, horses racing, cattle and poultry feeding. All racing pigeon products and supplements available. We also have live poultry sales. Tara Meat stock feed and farming supplies. 1227 Holden Road, Tulin Vale. Open seven days a week. Telephone, Peter, on 0484 340. Southern FM sponsor. Natural Pigeon Products are the Australian distributors for Rhonefried Pigeon Products. Rhonefried, a German-based company, is a leading manufacturer of world-class, premium, European racing pigeon products that will help you maintain your racing pigeon's inner health all year round. Contact Natural Pigeon Products on 035 Double nine eight one thousand and pigeonvitality.com.au Southern FM sponsor. I was lucky that when I picked up the phone that day to call my best friend, that he answered. Despite almost every Australian knowing someone who has been affected by suicide, we still don't talk about it. Lifeline Australia's new podcast, Holding On To Hope, shares stories of survivors and the connections made to find the hope to keep living. Because when we talk about suicide, we realise our capacity to support those around us. Holding On To Hope. Lifeline.org.au forward slash podcast. A tough time doesn't excuse abusive behaviour at home. Even in crisis, there's no place for domestic or family violence. If you, your family or community is affected, help is available online and by phone 24-7. For free, confidential advice, support and counselling for everyone, contact 1-800-RESPECT. There's no place for domestic or family violence. Help is here. Authorised by the Australian Government, Canberra. <laughs> Hrvatska glazba, vijesti i čet. Svakog ponedjeljka od 22 do 3 sata. Upravo ovdje, na 88.3 Južna FM. Zvukovi uz obalu. Monday is from 10pm to 3am. Tune in to Croatian Voice with Marica Čok. A taste of Croatia with Croatian music, news and chat. Right here on 88.3 Southern FM, the sounds of the Bayside. This is DDZ, your captain speaking. Tune in every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Travel the world, musically speaking, from the Eiffel Tower to the Rialto, from the Colosseum to the Pyramids, from the London Bridge to Golden Gate. Tune in every Wednesday, 2 p.m. for International Caravan with your captain, DDZ.
You're listening to Pigeon Radio Australia on 88.3 Southern FM, the sounds of the Bayside. You're tuned to 88.3 Southern FM, the sounds of the Bayside, our great uh, community radio station that uh, lets us broadcast Pigeon Radio Australia. And uh, if it wasn't for Southern FM, we wouldn't be live on the radio. So thanks to Southern FM for letting us broadcast our program, Pigeon Radio Australia, via Southern FM, the sounds of the Bayside, a great community radio station. And our website at Southern FM is southernfm.com.au. And our website address for Pigeon Radio Australia direct is pigeonmedia.com.au. Now, I know I play this interview quite a lot, and we did this interview with uh, the late Keith Wrightson, just before he passed away in 2000, uh, I think he passed away in 2016, and we did this interview with him in 2015, and I didn't really have to ask him many questions because he went into the story about the pigeons and the, the pigeons that saved save that, uh, uh, that ship with all the supplies on it that uh, Nigel Allsop was talking about. So let's have a listen in our Anzac Day tribute to Keith Wrightson and his story about the Australian Pigeon Call. Also, on uh, Monday for Anzac Day, if you can't get down to the dawn service and uh, you can't release pigeons down at your local RSL, let your pigeons out at sunrise because that signifies pigeons and what they did in the war and people will look up and look at the birds flying around your house so do that on Anzac Day Monday morning sunrise do it at sunrise so everybody lets their birds up at the same time that'll be fantastic all right let's listen to Keith Wrightson and then we'll be back to close the program on the line as our special guest today we actually have the person that was training the birds during the war during the Second World War. Unreal. And he's now 92 years of age, and he still races pigeons today with That's the Central good. Cumberland Federation. How good's that? And on the line, and I'd like to make very welcome to Pigeon Radio, Mr. Keith Wrightson, good afternoon. Good afternoon to you. How are you? I'm fair for a 92-year-old. Good on you, mate. <laughs> Good on you, mate. Used to be a lot better than what I am these days. Oh, no, you're doing all right. And I, I see that you're still racing pigeons. Yes, that's 78 continuous years yeah. with one pigeon club. Oh, that's, unbelievable. That's uh, fantastic. Which pigeon club are you, are you in? What was that one? Which pigeon club are you a member of? Uh, we, the, the club that I was continuously associated with was the Illawarra Homing Pigeon Society. Mm -hmm. We had about a dozen clubs in our locality, mm -hmm. and one by one, 
they've failed through lack of membership. Okay. And we reached the stage where we were down to a dozen, mm -hmm. and the expenses for rates and uh, 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 insurance mm -hmm. and things like that mm. overwhelmed us. Mm -hmm. And we had to make a decision as to whether we would close the Illawarra Club down after 80 years. Oh, my goodness. Uh, oh, really? We put the club up for auction uh -huh. and raised a sum far beyond our expectations because we were in a, a very small location between blocks of units. Okay, I see. And, uh, we... Uh, sold the club and were accepted at the Oatley RSL as mm -hmm. a sub-branch. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've settled in there very nicely. Excellent. And I, I joined the army in the end of 1941. Okay. And uh, initially I was accepted in the engineers and I was associated with two mates that mm -hmm. joined up with me but we in turn were uh, doing our basic training in army routine mm -hmm. and it wasn't very long before we got a message that there was being formed uh, a signal corps uh, Pigeon unit. Okay. And the man that was enlisted to organise that was a fellow named Bert Cornish. Okay. He, he was pulled in off the civilian street because he was an administrator of all things pigeon at the time. Okay. Uh, he was uh, given the rank of uh, captain. Mm-hmm. And the experts that uh, were organising the army said, we'll give you 40 men, you can train them, and we'll have a pigeon corps. Bert Cornish said, that's a ridiculous order <laughs> because I would only need personnel who have previously had the association of racing their pigeons and training them uh -huh. and knowing everything about pigeons. And they sent out a memo to enlist anyone that was associated in pre-war days in the training of pigeons. And that's when I was called into the Army Pigeon Corps uh -huh. in 1942. Okay. Now, and yeah. uh, Bert Cornish uh, was able to enlist personnel with that experience because he said if they gave him people that only experience would be with feeding scraps to the feral pigeons in the park, mm. he said he's mm. not going to accept the honour of being associated. Mm -hmm. They gave it into him, the powers that be, and they said, you enlist 
the personnel that you require and we'll take it from there. Mm. And that is when uh, they called for theatre of warfare. Mm. 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 And they went on and progressed to turning the Japs back at Buna, Salamoa, uh, and points halfway up the northwestern coast. Mm -hmm. And that's where the Pigeon Corps came in. They followed the progress of the army that were defeating the Japs, mm -hmm. and they were sending messages back to headquarters uh, with e every time that they advanced, they would let the headquarters know what was ahead of them mm. as far as opposition from the Japanese army was concerned. And it was right along that northwest coast of New Guinea that that we established what they call mobile lofts. Okay. And the mobile loft consisted, consisted of 30 birds, uh, a corporal and an offsider, and they would progressively advance with their loft as the army pushed the Japs back mm -hmm. until they got to the stage where they had reached uh, uh, bordering on to lay. Okay. In the meantime, the personnel who were uh, in Port Moresby were assigned the task of assisting the engineers mm -hmm. that were building a jeep track over the Owen Stanleys as an alternate to the uh, track, that uh, Kokoda track. Mm -hmm. And it was necessary to have an alternative scoop route just in case they had a reverse and wanted the troops to have an escape route to get back to Port Moresby. Mm -hmm. The birds that assisted there were very valuable in assisting the engineers that were advancing and building this roadway over the mountains hmm. and the, the weather conditions were such that uh, they would have uh, landslides and occurring every day mm -hmm. and they had pigeon lofts uh, set up as the track progressed mm -hmm. and it would advise them of the possibility of uh, a landslide ahead and they eventually got the roadway over the Owen Stanley Ranges and into Lai, and Lai was where they set up their breeding establishment. They were breeding local birds that would be in service at about 12 or 14 weeks old.
intensely trying to carry their messages for short distances until they became experienced, and then they would be sent out on patrols, which would be venturing out into the enemy territory and sending uh, messages back to advise them as to what ex- what to expect ahead. Mm. And it was men of the caliber of uh, Billy Dalt, mm-hmm. uh, Kevin Clark, who would be the the father of the current Kevin Clark. Kevin Clark. Yep, yep. Um, we had the support of Frank Par- Patterson, mm-hmm. uh, Jack Harrison, mm-hmm. and from uh, South Australia we had Vin Blandon, okay. Bruce Balderstone, mm-hmm. and always in the background we had for publicity purposes the famous Bill Laurie. Oh, really? Bill Laurie would always stand up and support anything for the betterment of pigeons. Unbelievably good. And he's, he was a wonderful support there. Oh, fantastic. And we went on and we uh, we were uh, eventually supported by the hierarchy that the deeds that had been carried out were worthy of two Dickon medals. The Dickon medal is the equivalent of the uh, VC that's awarded to members of the fighting forces. Mm -hmm. In the war years, there were only five Dickon medals awarded, three of them to the overseas... uh, Pigeons. uh, Forces yep. and two to, for the Army Pigeon Corps. Oh, excellent. The first pigeon was awarded the Dickon Medal, the equivalent of the VC, for sending a message from a boat that was uh, being swamped in heavy seas. Their motor had cut out. They had no no chance of starting the motor and were being washed ashore. Uh-huh. Uh, fortunately, they had a pair of pigeons on board. They sent a message back to uh, Oro Bay and they requested assistance to get help to uh, try and relieve the tension of the ship that was foundering. Mm. Within an hour, they had assistance there. They saved the ship. Mm-hmm. They saved the the men aboard. And more importantly, they saved the important cargo that they were carrying. And the award was made. Mm. Later in the war, a second award was made because... Our troops were seconded to the American forces who had joined in that section of the war, Mm -hmm. and 200 of their men were pinned down 
and were not able to defend themselves. The uh, what the uh, the patrols that had been out realised that they couldn't compete against the uh, Japanese forces that surrounded them. Mm-hmm. And all they had was a pair of pigeons to send for help. Mm. The, uh, uh, what's her names were raining down. Yeah. Uh, mortars and, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, gunfire. Yeah, heavy artillery fire, yeah. And anyway, they requested that they have assistance to try and break up the surround of Japanese. Mm. They, they got uh, Air Force assistance to disband the uh, Japanese forces mm. and 200 men were saved by a message carried by, pigeon. by the Australian Pigeon Force. Unbelievably but, good. Uh, they were greatly uh, commended for that, and they in turn awarded the second uh, Dickon Medal, and uh, uh, he uh, was able to relieve those men that were uh, pinned down prior to that. Mm, mm. Uh, we then in turn established ourselves in Lai where they bred the birds, trained, trained them to the mobile lofts to follow forward the action towards Finchhaven and Weewak. Mm. And that's going north. Uh, they needed an additional officer to uh, manage the forward troops. And I was sent to an officer's school down at Seymour mm-hmm. in Victoria. Oh, really? And I did the same officer's course as Diver Derrick. He was awarded the VC in his own right for deeds that he had done. And he went back to his own unit, which was an exceptional move because generally once a a sergeant had been promoted to officer, he had to go to another unit Mm. where he wasn't so well-known and friendly with the personnel that he had to order to do, do the deeds mm-hmm. that he was prepared to do himself. Mm. But he, in turn, was defending uh, against uh, special troops that were embedded in Finchhaven. He exposed himself to un usual fire from the uh, enemy and he lost his life in the Finchhaven battle. Yeah, yeah. And it was with that battle 
that they sent a message that they were terribly short of uh, these these are the uh, the men that were doing the the repairs and uh, trying to save personnel that were wounded mm. they wanted supplies of blood plasma mm. and the the boat that was carrying the blood blood plasma yep. between Leigh and Finchhaven was being pressed to de- deliver the blood in time to save personnel who were mortally wounded. Mm. Casualties from gunfire and things of that type. Yep. But we, we had lost VC winner Diaderic in the uh. operation. Yeah. And the boats carrying the blood plasma made urgent uh, running to get the blood to to the uh, people who were doing the uh, repairs uh, up, up in uh, Finchhaven. Mm. It got there in time and duly saved quite a lot of lives. The personnel on the boats knew what was mm. needed mm. and uh, uh, although they didn't get any additional uh, VCs for their effort. Hmm. They saved a lot of people's lives. Uh, They continued up to the north coast to Weewak, and uh, in Weewak they went inland, and the people who established their positions on the coast had to leave the coastal fringe and go into the foothills of the mountains inland Mm. and it was there that they had to parachute baskets uh, carry baskets Mm. of pigeons into the personnel Mm. that were at the foothills of the Owen Stanley Range. Mm. Uh, The memorial said the pigeons at these lofts were army pigeons. They had to endure times that had been never experienced by pigeons before. Mm. But they were able to advise of their position by sending messages back to the coast of the pigeons that they retrieved from the baskets that uh, were parachuted into mm-hmm. their position mm-hmm. and it saved those fellows from uh, being surrounded on patrols that uh, they were a- able to uh, retrieve the situation and get back to headquarters but the thing that was probably most noticeable in the operations of those areas was that a patrol would be sent forward to examine the the landing situation Hmm. of further landings by our personnel. Hmm. The 
pigeons could uh, send a message back from those forward patrols yep. and they could send a map of the area with the, the bunkers that uh, the uh, Japs had dug themselves into mm-hmm. and they could also nominate any reefs that the landing craft would encounter on making a beach landing. Hmm. But those maps were something that uh, they had never had access before. Uh, the uh, wirelesses could send messages, but they couldn't explain where the trouble was going to come from. Yeah. With the maps at the rough sketches that the forward patrols would make would advise the headquarters as to what to expect when they made the landing. Mm. And as a result, they would soften up the the bunkers where the uh, Japs were entrenched and soften them up mm. and made the landing much easier. Yep. And they were given great credit for having a map when they previously only had word of mouth of what was going on. Mm-hmm. I was uh, seconded to the American forces who were making a landing to retake New Britain, which was adjoining north of New Guinea. Yeah. And uh, two personnel of the a loft of mobile pigeons was uh, landed with the landing force when they uh, made the initial landing back into New Britain at a place called Arroway. Mm-hmm. And immediately we landed, they wanted pigeons to do patrols to advise of the strength that they were facing. And we had pigeons operating within 14 days of arrival in New Britain. 88.3 Southern FM. And Tony, we've come to the end of our program for another week here on Pigeon Radio Australia. And we'll catch you same time, same station next week here for Pigeon Radio Australia. Tony? Goodbye, Ivan. Goodbye, listeners. And goodbye to everybody around the world. And we'll catch you next week. Yeah, and as I said, we'll catch you same time, same station here on 88.3 Southern FM for Pigeon Radio Australia. Cheerio. So, stop the pigeon, stop the pigeon.